break. Uh, Angie and I have been friends with Jared Steph for years. Uh, they've been great friends and encouragement to us. And uh, you guys know how you have that friend every once in a while that um, you just you don't get to see him for a while, but that's okay because when you see them again, you just it just works again, right? That's how Jared and Steph are with us. They're uh, very encouraging and very uplifting to us. Um, I was with you guys last year about this time when you guys were working your way through the book of Jonah. So I got to uh, speak here then. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Rob Campbell. I get to be married to Ange. She's right over there. Uh, we've been married for almost 23 years of just wedded bliss. It's been great. Um, she's the greatest blessing that God has given me. We have two amazing adult kids. Alex, who's 20 and is apprenticing as a, carpet, a carpenter, and he's here with his girlfriend, Lena. And then we also have my daughter, Abby, who just finished high school. And so uh, she's taken a year to kind of figure out what she wants to do. So we are finished with the public school system right now, and that makes me feel extremely old to say that. So um, it's great. Jared, when uh, Jared asked me if I wanted to share this morning, I spent some time looking through that uh, preaching schedule that he gave me, and that... This uh, psalm that we're on today, Psalm 127, uh, really connected with me. Uh, usually when I am given a passage, I first approach it with uh, just a few questions about, like, what is God actually teaching me in the passage? So I'm going to just kind of let you in on the little points that connected with me this morning. The first connecting point is, I love building things. Uh, I like seeing things go from raw material uh, to getting kind of put together to being something that's useful or even beautiful. That goes from like buildings to renovations to even landscaping. We do a pile of landscaping in our place. Um, it gives me that sense of accomplishment. The company I work for, we actually build custom ventilation systems for the agricultural industry. And I get to see barn chimneys and full ventilation systems getting to be from raw material all the way up to being ready to ship. So my question was, is where does that true sense of accomplishment actually come from? Where do we actually get that true sense of accomplishment? A worldly point of view would say, be proud of yourself. But a godly point of view says that uh, that accomplishment comes from him. God's word, that's what it says. The second connecting point I have is that uh, Ange and I actually own a little cash crop farm. Uh, we know about getting up early and we know about going to bed late and, you know, building or uh, growing crops and keeping them healthy and what a good night's sleep actually looks like. Um, so my second question was, is who is ultimately responsible for the harvest? Who's ultimately responsible for the harvest? We can do our very best to manage our crops so that they're healthy, but we don't make them grow, do we? So where does our strength come from? We go to bed tired. We wake up rested, but ultimately God is the one who renews our strength each day. He's the one who provides for us both rest and harvest. My third connecting point with this passage was Angie and I have two kids, albeit they're older and they're adults, but they're still a great blessing to us. So the third question that I, I came up with was, who is the one who is protecting and guiding our children? We can strive to introduce them to Jesus. But following him is their decision, isn't it? So what is our role in raising kids? What is God's role in raising his kids? Because they're his kids too. So as I worked my way through this initial reading for our passage this morning, all I could think was, thank you, God. 
You guys did a great job this morning at choosing the, the music. Like it just really flowed nice today. That was beautiful. And also listening to you guys sing, like we're sitting right up there. So we can hear the voices come up. It was great this morning. So our focus this morning is actually going to be on gratitude. Thank you, God. So let's just open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we can be here. Thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that uh, you love us so much, and that you provide for us, and that you're here with us, and that you guide us and lead us. Lord, this morning as we're working our way through this passage, help our hearts to be open to hearing from you. Help our hearts to be really, really listening. Lord, may everything we say and do be honoring and glorifying to you. We just pray all these things in your great name. Amen. So, I'm a classroom participation kind of guy, so I want to hear your thoughts on some stuff here this morning. Um, can somebody give me a really good definition of the word worry? Now, don't pull your phone out and look that up, but what is, what's a good definition of the, of the word worry? What do you think? Say that again for me, sorry. Paying interest on a loan you haven't taken out yet. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. I like that. All right. Anybody else? Good definition of the word worry. It can just be one word if you like. Right. An emotion that leads us to think of all the bad things that haven't happened. It may never happen too, right? Yep, could happen. That's good. That's good. So I actually went to the dictionary and looked it up. All right, so Oxford Dictionary says it's defined as anxiety, dwelling on difficulties, or even putting ourselves in a panicky emotional state. So this one came up pretty nicely. Uh, the Lancaster Farming Newspaper this is their definition. Lancaster Farming Newspaper says, the Bible also tells us that when we worry, we are in a place of doubting the goodness of God in our lives. Do we think God is not concerned with our problems? Do we think God wants you to continue fearing for the future? This is just not true. For we find the words fear not written in prelude to God's goodness 365 times in the Bible. You think that's a coincidence 365 times? Okay, so let's break it down a little more. Give me some things that you really worry about. What are your topics, like your main concerns of worry? What do you think? Just your children, 100%. Yep. Money, yes. Safety, yep. Health, for sure. Sorry? Yep. Your job. Your job. Yep. Yep. Anything else? Finances. Sorry, what's that? Finances. Your finances, for sure. Finances. finances, yeah. So, I also looked this up too. Psychological healthcare blog has grouped the majority of worries into four main categories, and you guys hit them all. So the first one is, 
money in future. So this would include debt. This includes that stack of bills. This includes financial security for you and your family. This includes retirement for ourselves and our family. The second category is job security. So this can be pressures at work, pressures at home because of work. We do take work home with us. Uh, slowing economy, which could lead to job loss, fear of being fired. Uh, personnel issues. Personnel issues at work are a big thing too. The third category is relationships. So strain in the relationship with family, with children, with colleagues, with friends. I was actually surprised that that one was number three on the list because I think it should be, should rank up a lot higher than that. And the fourth one they have is health. So health concerns for ourselves, health concerns for those we love. Um, people worry more about their health, I think, than we ever did. Next question is, um, is worrying something that we're all gifted in, or is there some people who are much more gifted at worrying than others? You don't have to answer. I can just tell by what's going on here that some people are more gifted than others, and that's okay. And the final question I have, are some worries justified? Yep. Worries, some worries are definitely justified. What it really comes down to is how do we handle those worries? Do we take those worries to God, or do we continue to dwell on them a bit? So here's our passage for this morning. It's the Songs of Ascent of Solomon. Psalm 127, and we're going to see these kind of as we're working through them. I'll just read it for you first of all. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So here's a cool fact for you fact people who like this. I'm a bit of one of these fact people too. So one cool fact, this song of ascent that we're studying today is the only one that's actually recorded by King Solomon. A lot of the other songs of ascent that are in there are from King David, which is Solomon's dad, or from others who are, it just says, unnamed. This is the only one that says it's from King Solomon. To my, my commentary says, that's why this one is phrased just a little bit differently than the other songs of ascent that you guys have been studying. It's phrased more like wisdom literature, which would be like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. I thought that was just kind of a cool fact. Those things stick out to me a little bit. So let's work our way through the passage. We're going to do it kind of verse by verse and maybe, maybe a little more. So the first verse is, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. My commentary says, as we look at this first verse in the passage, we see the beginning of a theme that carries through. The subject of the verse is not the builder, it's not the house, it's the one who created the builder. It's the one who provided the builder with strength and wisdom to build. 
So I'm not sure if we have any contractors or engineers or architects or carpenters here, but when does a great building usually start to be built? It isn't when the foundation is laid. It isn't when the ground is even broke. The great building actually starts when the idea starts. That's when it actually starts. Typically, this is like months or years ahead of time. And then people are brought on board, and then eventually we get the planning phases done, and then the building starts, ground breaks, and then on and on and on, right? You got footings laid, walls take shape, roof is put in, utilities are put in, interior, exterior is finished, and then your building's up. But it starts with an idea. So when we put a worldly point of view on this, the building just happens. They just they just go up. That's how that works. But when we put a biblical point of view on how a building goes up, it's God who gives the ability to plan and design. It's God who gives the ability to build and adapt plans and get results. All of these are gift from, gifts from God. And when we recognize this, it changes our approach to the project. I am building this for God's glory should become our approach. I'm using the abilities that he has given me. It's no longer a job. It's now a calling. So have you ever thought of your job that you're working at right now as a calling given to you by your Heavenly Father? It seems like a little different thought, but that's what it is. It's a calling given to you by your Heavenly Father. He gives you the wisdom. He gives you the abilities to do the tasks that we've been given. When we fail to recognize this, our job can seem like it's in vain or it can be a waste of time, kind of like what the, the verse said. But when we recognize the hand of God in every aspect of our lives, we're no longer wasting time at work. We're now working for his glory. We're giving thanks to him for the abilities and the provisions that he provides. So we see something very similar in the second half of this verse. It says, unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. So, a worldly point of view would say, um, the one with the most stuff wins. That would be a worldly point of view. Or the ones with the most toys wins. That's what the world says. Um, another way to say that would be, yeah, most toys wins. How do you regard your possessions? Is it all mine? I've earned it. I deserve it. I'm proud of it. Or is it, God has given, to me, given this to me to steward for his glory? So there's a difference there, isn't there? My possessions, the way I look at my possessions makes quite a difference. If our attitude towards our possessions is wrong, we will stand guard over them in vain. But if we look at our possessions as something to be used to bring God glory, then ultimately we will realize that as the creator, he's also the one to whom these possessions belong. We've just been given them to use for a while to bring him honor and glory. So please don't hear me wrong on this. He still calls us to lock our doors and to protect ourselves, right? But when we look at them wrongly, we will now try and grab onto as much as we can. But if we, don't, if we look at them properly, it'll be, this is what God has given me. Now I'm going to be using it to help someone else. So the way to kind of figure this one out, whether our possessions are we're looking at them wrongly or not, is beginning each day by thanking God for the abilities and the possessions that he's given us. And that'll go a long way to keeping our attitudes in the proper place. It's all for God's glory. 
So let's head into verse 2. Verse 2 says, It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the ones that he loves. How many of you have heard the term workaholic? How many of you heard that term uh, used about you, maybe even? I would admit that I love a big work day. I love to work hard, and I think that that term could have definitely applied to me, especially when we were first starting out on the farm. We were dairy farmers, and we did early mornings and late nights, and that was just part of the routine. There's nothing wrong with early mornings and late nights. That's how that works. But it's how you regard what you're doing, right? So for me, it was grow bigger and bigger, and that came at the expense of my family, my wife, and my relationship with God. And I think the way that he words this passage, I think we can look right at the end of it. The key to understanding this problem can be found right at the end. And it says, he grants sleep to those he loves. So oftentimes when we strive to get bigger and bigger and try and be the best at it, it becomes all-consuming, doesn't it? We can get stuck in a rut. All our time, all our priorities, all of our thoughts swirl around that one thing, and it definitely will affect our sleep. Um, We never really feel rested. Our mind never really stops. There's a better way. When we look at at this, we realize the ability to get up and get to work is a gift from God and is sustained through him. He gives us the strength. He gives us the wisdom. Now, there's nothing wrong with building a business. There's nothing wrong with growing it. The problem comes when it gets all-consuming in our lives. It actually becomes an idol in our lives. So I think we should be beginning each day by thanking God for what he's given us. It goes a long ways to changing our priorities. And now, uh, verse 3 to 5. I've kind of lumped them all together. Um, So it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Do many of us are either parents or grandparents or we have special people in our lives that we care very deeply about. These are blessings given to us by our Heavenly Father. My commentary says, the context of this passage is one of people needing to defend themselves at all times. A man who raises children to come to his defense, even his defense at the city gates, is a man who is blessed and will not be put to shame. So we live in a a society of individuality and personal rights. We get to see kids who are actually disowning their parents. We've heard about that in the news. We know of families who are in our communities who are at war with each other. Godly children who honor their parents are a blessing from God. And this is not something that just happens. I think it begins before a child is born. It begins with parents who are constantly praying for their children and asking God for wisdom, how to raise them to know who Jesus is. It's parents who make it a priority to spend time with God as a family and are available for the tough conversations and doesn't shy away from them. It's parents whose main priority is their relationship with Jesus and their relationship with each other. And that doesn't mean that every day is sunshine and roses. 
God never promises a carefree life, does he? But he promises his spirit in us to lead us, to be there with us, and to give us wisdom and guidance. It means that we be honest with our children about the tough times, and we turn those moments and hours and days into teaching times and caring times. It also doesn't mean that our children will automatically know and trust Jesus either. It means that what we've done is we've set a foundation for them to know who Jesus is. But ultimately, that decision to accept Jesus as their Savior is up to them. It's up to each and every one of us. We don't make that decision for other people. I think if we can teach our children how to be thankful in every situation, it goes a long way to a healthy and wholesome life. And the main part of that is teaching them who to be thankful for. That's the most important. All thanks belongs to our Heavenly Father. Throughout the whole passage and throughout the whole morning and throughout the songs that we even sang this morning, we've been hinting at the solution to worry. So let me recap this once more. The solution is gratitude. Rather than looking at our situation as an inconvenience or as a not our preference or out of control, we need to look at our situation as a realization that there's God's provision in our life. God provides for us. For those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, our, your biggest need has already been met. Life will always have its struggles. Life will always have its heartaches, and that's okay, but God provides. God provides. And when we look at each day and give him thanks for what he's provided, it goes a long way to changing our attitude about that. God gives us the ability to work. He gives us the ability to make plans. He gives us the strength and the ability to follow through and to be productive. Our jobs and our careers are actually a calling through which we should be able, others should be able to see Jesus in us. So I realize that not everyone is always able to work. I realize that some of us are stuck in jobs that are way less than ideal. And there are times where we may not have that ability at work to really see how God is at work. But there's other things that we can do too. Um, there's places where we can volunteer and we can have that sense of accomplishment that comes from God in the place that we volunteer. So it could be a spot where, like organizations with less fortunate, organizations like Indwell, organizations like even here at Country Hills. Sometimes if our job is one of those things that's really tough to be at, but we have another place that we can serve God at, we can have that feeling of that sense of accomplishment that God places in our life. Ask God how you can serve him a way to have that feeling of sense of accomplishment. And he will definitely show you how to do that. Secondly, God blesses us with possessions. And he calls us to steward these and to bless others. Some of us will be blessed with a little. Some of us will be blessed with a lot. But whether we are blessed with a little or a lot, we're all called to, to share our possessions that he's given us. So sometimes that means that it could be time. Sometimes it could mean expertise. Sometimes it could mean that uh, we're sharing our money or our possessions. Sometimes it's just ourselves. We maybe only just have that. That's our gift that we can give somebody else. It's just time spent with them. We are called to manage what God has given us. And that means to manage and make the most of what he's given us. Time, resources, possessions, all of that. Thirdly, God blesses us with children. 
could be biological children, could be biological grandchildren, maybe some, God has put that person in your life that you get to mentor and help. One, things that, one thing that really sticks out to me is the ability of God to make things new to those who seek him. So maybe you're in a tough spot with one of your kids today or one of those other relationships that are really hard. Just keep bringing that to your Heavenly Father. He cares about that person. He cares about that person more than you do, probably. He created them, and he loves them. So thank God every day for that person. The solution is a grateful heart. Nothing gives us more of a heart attitude check than recognizing and thanking the one who has provided it all. And that's our Heavenly Father. Let's spend a little time in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for the way that you provide for us. Thank you for the homes that we have. Thank you for the safe places that we have. We we remember every day that it's by your provision. Lord, I also thank you for the jobs we have and the places that we get to serve other people. You've also provided that, and you've provided the way that we can know how to help others. Lord, as we head into a busy work week, help us to really understand what that means. Help us to have our eyes wide open to others that we can reach out and help, whether that be at work or whether that be after work. Lord, just bless, bless those around us that we can, we can seek to help. And Lord, for the relationships, especially those ones that are strained. Lord, I just pray that you would give us the courage to straighten those out. And maybe they don't turn out as good as they should, but Lord, help us to be thankful for those other people. Lord, you are so good to us. We just thank you that uh, you love us so much. We pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen. So, that's it for us this morning. And uh, we just get to leave the chairs up this morning, so it's uh, an easy exit for everybody. Thank you for being with us here this morning.